Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mind on Mental Health podcast. My name is Andy Dean. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And today I'm once again speaking with Sarah DeVries and Sarah Karstens. Both Sarah DeVries and Sarah Karstens are licensed clinical social workers, as well as licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselors. And today we're talking about how substance use and grief go hand in hand in the family. So I hope you enjoy the podcast and find it helpful. brought up this idea of like the family's process that they have to go through and how difficult it is and I want to talk some more about kind of how this affects a family or individuals in the family as well as like a grief process whether we're talking about you know the grief of just living with knowing that someone in your family that you love has a substance use issue or when someone actually does pass away. So I wonder if, if you guys can, either one of you guys can comment on that at all. Yeah. I think um, when I hear the word grief and kind of what we were talking about earlier, recognizing like our individual identity and mm-hmm. how like with grief and loss um, and dramatic changes in identities with substance use kind of recognizing the impact on the family of that and how a lot of times we're looking at how we want this person to be or how they were as Mm -hmm. well as like what we could have done and it goes to identity in a lot of ways and Mm -hmm. grieving that yeah i i was thinking very similarly sarah in that you know, it, it may not be grieving the loss of a person, but grieving the loss of what we had hoped for um, in terms of, you know, like all that this person would have, you know, was capable of or what, you know, what our relationship could have been like, whatever that relationship was, um, you know, looking forward to the future and whether or not the person, you know, has, has passed away or not, when you add substances into, you know, into the, into the picture, it changes, it, mm. it, it, you know, it, it changes that lens. And, you know, what that's going to what those relationships will look like, what that future is going to look like, you know, when the substance use is active. And, you know, I think there, there's also a lot to be said for thinking, you know, on a on a personal level of what, like, what am I supposed to do about this? Mm-hmm. What can, what can I do? What should I have done? What should I be doing? And a lot of personal responsibility that we experience and and we feel as loved ones of you know someone who you know who um, has you know has these substance use issues or you know p- potentially has um, has passive an overdose and I think you know kind of looking that looking at that and and taking on that responsibility I think too is where is where grief can be you know wh- where it can kind of explode and become even more unmanageable because we have all of these scenarios in our mind and, and almost make our role feel like it was the thing mm, that could mm. have made a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the sad reality, and I know, you know, even kind of personally don't want to believe it, but the sad reality is we don't, we don't make choices for other people. We don't mm-hmm. control other people's behaviors. We do the best that we can and we have to, you know, be able to kind of lay down at the end of the day and, and know that we did the best that we can. 
Um, and, and that's that's really hard to do when the outcome is not matching our expectation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of it is expectations. And I think for a lot of people and families were maybe angry and frustrated and terrified and thinking like this person's in denial when we're almost doing the same thing by denying where the other person's at. Mm-hmm. And, and and denying that person's ability to make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. Can we talk a little bit about how grief might manifest itself? Because I always kind of think about grief in terms of, you know, when you when you lose somebody. But I think that there can be sort of a grief process associated with it when someone is like actively struggling with addiction. And I know you guys just talked a little bit about like identity and sort of... Um, questioning yourself, judging yourself. But I guess I'm wondering, like, do you think it's more or less the same kind of process? Or is it is it different when, you know, the person is still with us, but we know that they're actively struggling? I think it can be extremely similar. Mm-hmm. And I there's this idea of ambiguous grief and dealing with like, again, the loss of what could have been or what should have been while someone, while you're still connected to that person or the person is still living and you're not connected. So uh, look, I'm not like a grief specialist by any stretch of the imagination, um, but I think when we're all going through school, we learn about sort of the stages of grief um, and there's like bargaining and um, uh, denial and then eventually it, you uh, it goes to acceptance and so I don't remember exactly what it is but you guys know what I'm talking about I think yeah most yeah. of the general public has sort of heard some version of this um, is there a way that we can kind of use that to help us think about this or is there maybe a better way to go about thinking about sort of the grieving process. I I think the model can be a framework to kind of navigate the process of grief and particularly like the emotions that come with this idea of loss and grief. Mm. And so um, to not get totally stuck in the model, grief has also been broken down into four tasks. um, And the first task and there's also this idea that you can kind of bounce around these four Mm -hmm. quadrants which healing isn't linear is this idea of like accepting the reality of the loss Mm -hmm. um this acceptance piece i sort of actually just recently have begun having an issue with this word acceptance oh yeah because (laughs) because it's like using one word to describe the absolute hardest thing oftentimes that you have to do is just, it just seems like the term radical acceptance does not do justice to how difficult it is to get to that place. So anyway, the so the first of these quadrants is that sort of acceptance piece. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like having a similar reaction to this idea of like acceptance. What the, what is that? What is that? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think 
it's this idea like, okay, I, I am in this, I am in this like club that I did not sign up for. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I, 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 I have a similar reaction to the word and, you know, having, you know, taught DBT skills for many, many years know that it is, it can be pretty, pretty aversive. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think also being able to think of it because acceptance seems like I think when we're also, you know, thinking about the, you know, the old school um, grief, you know, grief model, it, it's like acceptance was the destination. Right. right? Exactly. Like that was yes. the, that was the end of the line. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it just it feels so final and, and so, um, you know, hard, hard to hard to come by sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, kind of just reframing it as um you know, rather than acceptance, like either acknowledgement or recognition, mm -hmm. um, I, you know, sits a little bit better with me because you, you, there, there has to be some, you know, some measure of acknowledging this is what's going on. It doesn't have yeah. to mean that I like it. It doesn't mean that I'm okay with it. It doesn't mean that I want it to continue. Um, and yeah, I totally didn't sign up for this, but I recognize that this is where we're at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it's, a, it goes back to endorsement again, right? Like I am not endorsing this, but I, here it is. Right. Yeah. I, the way that I think I like to think about this now is like decreasing your resistance to it as much as you possibly can, because it's the only reality that's, that we have. Like some of these things just happen, but the, our resistance to it is really what makes it unbearable. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, as we're talking about, um, you know, the, the different, um, the different ways in which we experience this, I think it's also, you know, for this issue of, of substance use that we're talking about in particular, you know, acceptance, I think, means one thing and can feel one way mm -hmm. when it is, you know, when there's finality to it, if there has been, you know, um, you know, death via overdose. Um, and I think it can also look and feel very different when you have a person who is still, you know, in their active use, mm -hmm. um, because it's much harder to acknowledge that this is where that person is. And this is the only reality when they're still alive and it can change and things can get better. Um, which is, which is true. And, you know, as I said before, that's unfortunately not something that we have direct control over. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I like I've heard it compared to like being in the middle of a storm or like an ocean going back to our ship analogy and mm -hmm. like what are what are we in control of here right and the recognition of that mm -hmm. so okay we we all sort of have our issues with this acceptance piece <laughs> um and that's not to say I think none of us would disagree with the fact that acceptance is ultimately, you know, a positive thing. Uh, it doesn't keep us stuck. But I think it's more like th there's not uh, there's no language to really describe just how difficult it can be to get there. And I think that's kind of where I get hung up with it. But that's one of the four qu quadrants. I think you said they're called the four quadrants, right, for grief? the four yeah okay. it can like look like a quadrant they they're described as tasks and i think it's yeah so um what's a what's another one 
So like processing the pain of grief, mm. kind of to your point, Andy, of there aren't even really good words mm. to talk about this in a lot of these situations because mm. it can be so painful. Totally. You know, I was at a training recently about grief and that's exactly what we were discussing. Like how, you know, what do you say? Like, I'm sorry. Or like, if you need anything, whatever, you bring people food, that kind of thing. But there's really no perfect thing that you can say to somebody who's experiencing grief. And then I think when you add a substance or substance use issue on top of it, it sort of complicates things even more, right? Because mm-hmm. um, it's not usually like the grief of losing somebody who's lived like a full life. It's um, usually or oftentimes they're young when they die. Um, there's uh, complicating issues that make everything um, sort of surrounding it more complicated. Um, but I think that's something that we do struggle with uh, as people, as a society is just like, what, how do you help people process all that pain? Yeah. And recognizing too, going back to the, the person who might still be alive and is suffering too. Like it starts with just the recognition recognition of like, hey, I'm in pain, they're in pain, and we don't always have to do something about that Mm -hmm. as part of the process. Like, it's kind of like, hey, I'm going to sit with you and just, and sit with myself and my own process too, because Mm -hmm. there are so many factors, like you said. Yeah. And I I think, you know, that makes me really think about, I think so many times, Times when um, when people come into treatment, I, I mean, here at Princeton House, anyway, you know, it's it's fairly short term. It, it's acute, um, and so often I, I see people who come in and are looking for like the solution, yeah, the course. fix, mm-hmm. um, right? We want to just kind of get sped through the process um, and and get to the endpoint. And I think you know the the difficult part about like processing through the pain is we, we people may do so um we, we may do so with the expectation that you know if we just kind of sit down and talk about it then everything is going to be okay you know mm-hmm. then it's it's going to go away or something you know is going to happen and you know if i if i say these things and i go to this many sessions or i talk to you know these certain people i'm going to feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to, with what Sarah just said, like it, it we, sh- we may not feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we may just be in pain and we may just be experiencing a ton of emotions, most of them negative. And, and sometimes, you know, I mean, when, when they start to impair your ability to function, you know, that's t- time to act, but but sometimes it is just knowing that you're experiencing the emotions and allowing yourself to have that, to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as much as we were just hating on the word acceptance, I think that's really <laughs> the, um, that is sort of a big piece of it is like, Hey, accepting the fact that, yeah, it's, it's just going to suck. And you know, you're just going to be in pain and that's okay. 
Yeah, that's our favorite word acceptance in a lot of ways. What, okay, so we sort of ran through two of the quadrants. What's the third one? So I think it's kind of adjust. It's not kind of. It's adjusting to this new world, mm. right? Mm. And this yeah. like different reality. Mm. Sounds like more acceptance. <laughs> 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 Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs>